Section 12 of The Life of St. Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 21. Dominic's interest in the sick. He had to leave the oratory for change of air. His parting words. Dominic's gradual decline was not so rapid or so marked as to cause him to be continually in bed. He sometimes went into the classroom or the study or helped in some light domestic work, as the doctor had suggested, but his chief delight was to attend on his sick companions whenever there chanced to be any. But he seemed to derive such pleasure from it that he doubted whether it could be meritorious in the sight of God. However, while he waited upon their needs, he was particularly pleased to be able to assist them in some spiritual way, and was very skillful in his method of so doing. He remarked to one companion that the poor body could not last forever, so that it had to become weak some time or other, and gradually be consumed, but then the soul which had been set free would go to its everlasting home, and enjoy an eternal happiness. If the medicine were distasteful, he would remark to the sick boy that it was not nearly as bad as the gall and vinegar of our divine Lord, and that it was ordained by God that these remedies should be provided for the body. Dominic's own health had already made it evident that he would have to leave the oratory and go home for his native air. He had a great repugnance to this, for it interrupted his practices of piety, and in fact I had sent him to his home just before this, but he only remained there a few days and then returned to the oratory. I must own that our regret was mutual, and I would have made every sacrifice to keep him amongst us. I regarded him with the affection that a father has towards the best beloved of his sons. But the recommendations of the doctors made it clear that it would be against all prudence to keep him longer at the oratory, especially as he had been troubled with his severe and obstinate cough for some days. Notice was accordingly sent to his father, and the day for his departure was fixed for March 1st, 1857. In order to make a sacrifice for his will to God, Dominic submitted to this arrangement, for he would have much rather ended his days at the oratory. Somebody suggested to him that it would not be for long, but that he would remain quite well and be able to continue his studies. But Dominic was under no misapprehension. He replied that he was going away, and he knew quite well that he would never return. On the evening before his departure, he stayed with me a long time, so much so that he had no wish to leave me. He had a great many questions to ask, concerning chiefly his own method of action as an invalid, which now he was, and how he might make that state meritorious. I told him that he should offer his illness and his life to God. He was anxious about his past faults and whether I thought he would be saved. I assured him that whatever he might have committed was forgiven, and that he need have no fear of being saved. In regard to temptations, I counseled him to reply to the tempter that he had already given his soul to our Lord, who had redeemed it with his precious blood. He had many further questions about dying and about heaven, and he seemed like one who had his foot upon the threshold of heaven and wanted to know beforehand what it was like. The day for his departure happened to be the day for the exercises of a happy death, and these he made with the utmost fervor. In fact, I have no words in which to describe the devotion with which he approached the sacraments, though it made a deep impression on me. He regarded these exercises as his actual preparation for death, and thought that perhaps his end might come at any moment. His few preparations for departure were soon made, though they were carried out with that scrupulous care which showed that he regarded them as the last acts he would do at the oratory. He went to each of his companions to say good-bye, and to several he gave a little message of advice or encouragement or recommendation. To one boy he owed a few pence. He called to him and said, Come, let us put our accounts right, or else there may be trouble in settling accounts with God. To his associates and the confraternity of the Immaculate Conception, he had some special advice to give, and encouraged them always to have the greatest confidence in Our Lady.
When he was going, he turned to me and said, Then you will not have my body with you, and I must needs take it to Mondonio? It would have been but a brief inconvenience, and then all would be over. But the will of God be done. If you go to Rome, do not forget the message I have given you concerning England. Pray that I may have a happy death, and that we may see each other again in heaven. We had reached the door of the oratory, leading out to this street. He still had hold of my hand, but he turned to his companion and said, Goodbye, my friends, pray for me, and may we meet again in heaven where there are no more partings. Just as he was leaving, he said to me, I would like a present as a souvenir. I asked him what he would prefer to have, a book, for example? No, something better than that. I thought perhaps he wanted something for his journey, and suggested it to him. He replied, Yes, it is exactly that, something for the journey to eternity. You have spoken of a plenary indulgence from the Pope for those who are dying. I should like to participate in that. I said I would willingly insert his name among those who should enjoy that privilege which I had obtained specially from Rome. Thus he left the oratory where he had spent the last three years. They had been three happy years for the boy, three years of continual edification for his companions, and even for his superiors. He had left it now to return no more. His parting salutations, so unusual in a boy, had astonished all of us. We knew that he suffered a good deal from his illness, but as he was nearly always up and about, we were not accustomed to regard it as causing immediate anxiety. His cheerful disposition also went far to conceal his sufferings. Therefore, although we were inclined to take his parting words seriously, and were greatly grieved at them, we still had hopes that he would return and continue his studies. But the sequel proved otherwise. He was ready for heaven. During the few years of his boyhood, he had merited the reward of the just, and it seemed that God designed to to take him to himself in the springtime of his life, and before he should encounter those dangers which bring shipwreck often even to the purest souls. End of chapter 21 Chapter 22 The Progress of His Illness He Receives the Last Sacraments Edifying Incidents Dominic had left the oratory on the 1st of March. The journey home in the carriage and the change of scene appeared to do him good, and therefore it was not thought necessary that he should remain in bed. But after a few days he seemed to become weaker, his appetite was poor, and his cough more noticeable, so that the doctor was consulted. His opinion was that the boy was a great deal worse than he appeared. He had him put to bed at once, and as he thought there was some inflammation, he had recourse to bloodletting. This remedy usually had great terrors for the young. The doctor, therefore, advised Dominic to fix his attention on something else, and to have patience and courage. The boy smiled and said, What is such a little wound compared to those made by the nails in the hands and feet of our Saviour? Then, with the greatest tranquillity of mind, in almost a playful mood, and without the least sign of apprehension, he watched the whole operation. When it had been repeated several times, he seemed to be doing somewhat better. The doctor thought there was a turn towards improvement. His parents thought likewise, but Dominic was not to be brought to that opinion. Guided by the thought that it is better to receive the sacraments in good time than to delay it till it was too late, he sent for his father and said, Father, I think it would be better to consult the heavenly physician. I wish to go to confession and communion. His parents quite thought he was on the road to recovery. It was with sorrow they heard such remarks as these, and it was just to satisfy his desire that they sent for the priest. He came at once, heard the boy's confession, and, in accordance with his request, brought the Holy Vaticum. The devotion and eager fervor displayed by Dominic under these circumstances is better imagined than described. Whenever he approached the sacraments, it was in the attitude and dispositions of a St. Aloysius, and now that he received them for what he deemed to be the last time, it was with outbursts of ardent love that his heart went out to meet his divine Lord. 
He recalled then the promises he had made at his first communion, how he had besought Jesus and Mary to be his constant friends, and resolved to prefer death rather than willfully give way to sin. When his thanksgiving was over, he said in complete tranquility, Now I am at peace. It is true that I have to make the long journey to eternity, but with our divine Lord by my side, I have nothing to fear. Tell everyone that if they have him, there is nothing to fear, not even death itself. Dominic had always been a model of patience under suffering, but this virtue was even more conspicuous in him during his last illness, which he bore as a saint. Whatever he could do for himself, he wished still to do, so as not to inconvenience anyone. He thought his parents had already had too much to bear from him. He took any and every medicine without the least sign of distaste, and underwent ten times the operation of bloodletting without any sign of impatience. After four days of attendance, the doctor congratulated the boy and his parents on the improvement he found, and told the mother and father to thank God that now the worst was over, and only convalescence remained. The parents were naturally pleased, but Dominic smiled and said, The world is overcome. I have now only to make a befitting appearance before God. When the doctor had gone, Dominic seemed to place no reliance on his promise of recovery, and asked that the sacrament of extreme unction might be administered to him. In this again, the parents only complied in order to satisfy him, for neither they nor the priest could perceive any signs of his being near to death. The very serenity of his countenance and his bright conversation made them believe that there was really some improvement. But whether Dominic was guided by sentiments of devotion, or whether some divinely inspired voice had spoken to his heart, the fact is that he counted the days and hours of his life as a person reckons numbers in arithmetic, and every moment was occupied in preparation to appear before God. Thus, before receiving extreme unction, he expressed his devotion. Pardon my sins, O God, for I love thee, and wish to love thee forever. May the sacrament which thou hast permitted me to receive in thy infinite mercy blot out all the sins I have committed by my hearing, sight, tongue, hands, and feet. May my body and soul be sanctified through the merits of thy passion. Amen. He answered all the responses in such a clear voice, and with such realization of their meaning, that one would have imagined him to be in perfect health. It was then the ninth of March, the fourth day of his illness, and the last day of his life. His strength was diminishing, and remedies seemed to have no effect, so that the papal blessing was given. He said the confitior himself, and responded to the priest in his turn. When he was told that it earned with it a plenary indulgence, he showed the greatest joy and said Deo gratias et semper Deo gratias. Then he turned to the crucifix and recited some verses of a favorite hymn. End of chapter 22